For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time to get up and get going, South Coast. It's time for the Tim Weisberg Show on WBSM. Also streaming live on WBSM.com and on the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message or a voicemail through the WBSM app. And now, ready to start your day off with a bang. It's Tim Weisberg. Good morning, South Coast. This is not Tim Weisberg. This is Paul Rowe. I'm the Sheriff of Bristol County, and I'm filling in for Tim today. And today I am going to be here from 6 a.m. to about 9 a.m., and we're going to be talking about a bunch of different issues. One of the things that I'm going to talk about first is going to be the Israel and Palestine conflict. And I have two speakers that are going to be joining us. One of them is uh, going to be calling in from Jerusalem, and that's Shana Lowe. And I've known her since 2017, and she is uh, very much pro-Palestinian, and she is, uh, you know, a human, human rights lawyer. And then after that, we're going to have Melissa Bronstein calling in from Washington, D.C. And Melissa and I have known each other for over a decade, and she is a self-described Zionist, and she is uh, somebody who is going to talk about things from a, you know, Israel and Jewish perspective. So... After we chat with the two of them, uh, Marlene Pollack from the Coalition for Social Justice is going to join us, and she's going to be talking about some legislation she's pushing for at the State House. And um, then, you know, after that, we're going to have the Deputy Police Chief of New Bedford Police Department call in. We're going to talk about some things going on in um, New Bedford, and then we're also going to be talking about. Uh, different things with the jail with Brian Sabe, who is in charge of the D boards. And so for now, what I first thing I want to do is actually check to see if I sent Shana the correct phone number to call in. Um, she's supposed to be giving us a call and it looks like, yes, I did. So, um, you know, I'm going to she's actually in Jerusalem. So hopefully things are okay with her calling and, um, sending her a message right now. Okay, very good. It looks like she's actually calling. Okay, great. Wonderful. Uh, Sheena, is that you on the line? This is me. Yeah, how, I, how are you, Paul? Sheena, great to hear from you. How's everything going? Not too bad. I mean, as you can imagine, uh, three and a half months into a crisis and still in the midst of it has been challenging, but compared to, compared to my colleagues in Gaza, I really can't complain. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, you and I actually, I, did we first meet when we were in Israel together back in 2017 or did we meet domestically first? I can't remember. I think we met first at my parents' house, right? I, I remember meeting Denise at my parents' house, but we went in, didn't we go in 2016? It was, the, it was uh, January of 2017 because I was just getting sworn in for my third and final term as a state representative. And I missed the swearing in in that January, but I think we, we started chatting that you're right. We did meet at your dad's house and you know he was the sponsor who brought me and another state representative to Israel yeah, yeah. and Palestine. So it was in 2016 that we met, but we did the trip in January of 2017. Okay. 
for some reason I kept thinking that that trip was 2016, but I guess you must be right. Yep, yep. So, um, anyway, well, I'm going to like, uh, have a little bio about Shane. And Shane Lowe is the communication advisor for the Norwegian Refugee Council in Palestine. Prior to joining the Norwegian Refugee Council, um, she worked for Defense uh, for Children International Palestine. She's been working on Israeli and Palestinian issues for more than 15 years. Uh, Shana is a Lincoln, Massachusetts native, and she holds a bachelor's degree in political science from Columbia University and a Juris Doctorate, a law degree, from the City University of New York and City uh, Law School. So, um, Shana, thanks for joining us from... Uh, from Jerusalem and, you know, Israel. And so there's been a real big conflict going on since the 1940s. And it recently flared up when Hamas uh, went in and attacked uh, Israel. Now, you know, what? like you're there, you're in Jerusalem. What are you seeing um, going on in, uh, like, you know, like there? What, what are your uh, colleagues telling you in Gaza? You know, what, what's going on? Yeah, well, prior to October 7th, the people living in Gaza had been living, Palestinians in Gaza had been living under a, a siege for more than 16 years, uh, in which Israel was controlling the land, air, and sea, controlling who and what could access Gaza. Gaza has been under Israeli military occupation since 1967. And so, Prior to October 7th, life in Gaza was not easy. There were restrictions on the types of materials, building materials, um, and other items that could enter. Everything was was basically controlled uh, by Israel. Since October 7th, the situation in Gaza has really just uh, turned into hell for the 2.3 million civilians who are living there. Uh, nearly 50% of Gaza's population are children under the age of 18. So they've spent basically their entire lives living under a siege um, where most people cannot leave um, if they would like to. Um, and, and what they've experienced over the last uh, 16 weeks has been just complete devastation and destruction of, of all parts of the Gaza Strip. There is simply no safe place for Palestinians in Gaza to seek shelter. Uh, more than 70% of housing units in Gaza have been damaged or destroyed. 1.7 million Palestinians, about 75% of the population, has been displaced. Um, most of them are either seeking shelter in, in UN schools or facilities, uh, other public buildings, or simply trying to build um, makeshift shelters or, or tents delivered by aid agencies uh, to, to shelter themselves from, from the winter weather that we're facing, uh, facing here. Uh, starvation is on the rise. There's a, the UN has, has already announced that there is a risk of famine. Uh, aid agencies, such as the Norwegian Refugee Council, where I work, uh, and and other and uh, and other UN agencies and other uh, international NGOs are struggling to get in the ba the basic aid that's needed to support uh, the population. Basically, everyone. There's no one um, really that has been shielded from the tremendous devastation and destruction. And for the last uh, 16 weeks. Palestinians have been struggling just to find basic basic food items, uh, clean water, uh, and a safe place to sleep. Now, 
you talked about the you know the siege for sixteen years. Um, you know, for, if you were to uh, take it from an, like the Israeli government's point of view, and w- would they agree that it is a siege, or would they say no, no, no? We characterize it differently. Would what, what would you say that they how they characterize it? If you were to step outside of the uh, point of view you just offered, but you know, from their point of view, what would you say they would uh, uh, say is going on? You know, I'm not, Paul, I'm not a, a, a spokesperson for the Israeli government. I think Israel would say uh, that they, that the, this is something that's needed for their security. But the reality is that it's, it's n- neither, it's punitive and has been recognized as collective punishment against Palestinians in Gaza by international bodies, including UN agent, UN, uh, UN bodies. But it's also, um, and, and it's a violation of international law to collectively punish a population in the way that the siege did. Um, but it's in, on top of that, in terms of security, as we saw on October 7th, that, that continuing to oppress, repress Palestinians and Palestinian life does not make Israelis secure. In fact, it makes them more insecure as Palestinian frustrations grow about about more than 55 years of, of occupation with no end in sight. Now, you, what's the difference between Hamas and somebody who is Palestinian? And does Hamas represent the Palestinians or uh, how, how does that work? Yeah, so Hamas is a, is a political ideological movement um, that, that uh, comes from the Islamist strain. Um, but Hamas does not represent all Palestinians. Hamas has been uh, governing the effectively governing the the Gaza Strip since 2006. But uh, but but there have not been elections. Israel has not permitted elections throughout the occupied Palestinian territory, and and Hamas does not represent all Palestinians, of course. Um, many Palestinians are not politically affiliated in Palestine. You find people who have a range of ideologies, everything from the, the communists on the far left to the Islamists on the, on the right and, and everywhere in between. Um, and so it's really important that we distinguish and, and between not only Hamas and the Palestinians, but really the most important thing in a, in a situation of armed conflict is to distinguish between civilians and combatants. That's how international law applies. And so Israel, as, as, uh, as it engages in hostilities with Palestinian armed groups, including Hamas, they have a responsibility to distinguish uh, between combatants and not and civilians um, and, and, and be proportionate in their attacks on when they are targeting legitimate military targets. That means that they have to, for each uh, attack that they that they are executing, they have to really weigh what the benefit will be, the military benefit will be versus the loss of civilian life, and and if that that proportion is is um, is is unex is is, uh, is is if it's not proportionate, then then those types of attacks are unlawful. So the speaker was listening to right now is Shana Loesch is calling us from Jerusalem and she works the Norwegian Refugee Council. If you have any questions or comments for Shana, feel free to call in at 508-996-0500. And so let's talk about something a moment ago. So I was aware that the, um, 
the last time the elections were had where Hamas was uh, elected in, it was in 2006. I knew about that. What I didn't know was that Israel has been preventing elections from happening so that there could be maybe a new form of government or a new, um, you know, like elected uh, like representatives of the Palestinian people. What's going on with that? Why is Israel not allowing the elections when, as in recent history, Benjamin Netanyahu had said, we are going to not have, uh, we're not going to agree to leave Hamas in power. So they're not allowing elections, but they're not allowing Hamas to rem, um, remain in power. So, you know, there's there's no ceasefire. What's going on with that, not allowing the elections? Well, one of the, the challenges is that it, it, Gaza is not the only part of, the, of Palestinian territory that's occupied. The occupied Palestinian territory also uh, includes, in addition to Gaza, the West Bank, and part of the West Bank is East Jerusalem. Israel unlawfully annexed uh, East Jerusalem and has effectively brought, uh, brought it into its own territory, applied its own civilian laws. This is a complete violation of international humanitarian law. We've seen this with the, the international community's outrage at, at Russia's attempt to, to unilaterally annex parts of Ukraine, uh, an occupying power uh, or, uh, or any country for that matter does not have the right to, to expand its territory through force. And so one of the challenges in, in Palestine is that East Jerusalem, which is actually occupied East Jerusalem, where I'm speaking to you from uh, this morning, is um, under Israeli control. And, and when elections have been called for, Israel has refused to allow the Palestinians who live in Jerusalem have not been granted Israeli citizenship um, but and cannot vote in Israeli elections, but they also are denying them the right to vote in Palestinian elections, which creates obstacles because the whole, the, 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 the Palestinian leadership would like to, to be able to have uh, elections that, that cover all of the occupied Palestinian territory. But I think it's important to note that, that all of this territory is occupied by Israel. And so this idea of, of who is left to govern, the reality is that, that whether it's um, that the Palestinian Authority is not a, a, a state government. It's an authority that has limited operational capacity in limited parts of the West Bank. Um, but really, uh, Israel continues to control all of this territory. And so there, can, the, the, there is no sovereignty here. There is no sov sovereign. Israel remains the occupying power in, in, throughout all of the occupied Palestinian territory. So we have to take a break just for a moment. And when we come back, we'll have Shana Lowe from the Norwegian Refugee Council uh, calling in from Jerusalem, from East Jerusalem. And so, Shana, if you can stay with us just for a moment, we'll be right back. Good morning, South Coast. This is Sheriff Paul Harrow, and I'm filling in for Tim today. Uh, on the line, we have Shana Lowe, who's calling in from East Jerusalem, Israel. And she is talking to us uh, as a representative of the Norwegian Refugee Council. And she's telling us a little bit about what's going on on the ground in uh, Israel and the Palestinian areas, West Bank and Gaza. And Shana, you're still with us. I am. Great. Thanks for being here. So, Shana, um, and so for... Uh, Callers, if you want to call in with questions or comments, the number is 508-996-0500. So before the break, Shana, you were talking about uh, the 
East Jerusalem being an occupied uh, territory and how that's a violation of international law. What does this occupation look like? Is it, um, you know, like it, what's the presence that Israel has in the occupied territories? Um, describe, if, if we were to, you know, I, I've been there. I've been to East Jerusalem with you. We did that in January of 2017. I mean, I, I know what it looks like, but can you describe for the listeners, you know, what that looks like on a day-to-day basis for you? Yeah. So Israel has occupied the West Bank, including East Jerusalem and Gaza, since since June of 1967, and and it looks different. Occupation manifests itself in different ways uh, in different in different parts of the occupied Palestinian territory. So uh, in the in the West Bank and including East Jerusalem, what we've seen is uh, displa- continued displacement of Palestinians expansion of Israeli settlements. There are uh, about three quarters of a million Israeli settlers living amongst the Palestinian population. Uh, a large portion of those are living in East Jerusalem, uh, where, where Israeli settlements have been established in, in violation of international humanitarian law, which prohibits an occupying power from um, transferring their civilian population into into occupied territory. And then what we've also seen is this uh, increase in, in Palestinian displacement in the West Bank, including East Jerusalem, um, due, to, due to what is, is considered under legal terms a coercive environment. So there are different um, policies, strategies that are being implemented by the Israeli government to force the displacement of Palestinians from their lands. Oftentimes, this displacement is happening in close proximity to Israeli settlements, which uh, would like, which which Israel, of course, would like to expand and and grow. Um, what this means is that when you go anywhere in the West Bank, from city to city, you are certain to see Israeli settlements there. Uh, Israeli settlers live under Israel, have Israeli civilian laws applied to them, whereas Palestinians living in, in the West Bank, with the exception of East Jerusalem, uh, have, are, are under military law. Um, you have, in some places, different roads that Israelis can drive on and Palestinians cannot. What you have also are over 650 checkpoints throughout the West Bank or are obstacles to movement. Some of these are manned by Israeli Israeli soldiers um, who might stop people and check their IDs. Um, in some cases, it just might be a closure. Uh, the city of Bethlehem, for example, which of course is famous for, for being the birthplace of Jesus, um, is almost entirely under, uh, it closed at, at this time. We have colleagues who are coming from Bethlehem to our office in East Jerusalem, and they can only drive to a certain point where they have to park their car and, uh, and, and get out of their car, walk past a gate that is not open, past barbed wire, in order to get into one of our cars to drive them back to East Jerusalem. There's incredible challenges, access and, and, and movement challenges now, particularly after October 7th, for um, Palestinians in the West Bank, many of our staff members uh, are from from the West Bank, not from outside of East Jerusalem, and have uh, what are called West Bank IDs, and and their permits that allowed them to come to East Jerusalem, which remember is part of the occupied Palestinian territory. Their permits have been suspended. We can't get our staff 
our humanitarian aid workers into Jerusalem uh, to work because of the challenges, because of the suspension of permits, which Israel, of course, controls. Um, checkpoints, likewise, have also been closed or only open for limited hours during the day. Israeli settlers trying to get from a settlement in the West Bank to Tel Aviv have no obstructions in their movement. But for a Palestinian, uh, they, they are facing those, those challenges and unable to move freely. Um, we've also seen, in, the, in, in addition to these access and movement restrictions, there's also, last year was also a record-setting year for the number of Israeli demolitions of Palestinian property in the West Bank. Uh, Israel operates a discriminatory planning regime in the West Bank and has allowed settle Israeli settlements uh, uh, to, to grow and expand. And, and at the same time, 60% uh, of the West Bank remains under complete Israeli control. And Israel um, uh, only approves about somewhere between 1% to 3% of building permits for people. Now, you imagine these are communities that are, that are growing, families um, continue, even under occupation, continue to have children and want to grow. They want to build schools. They want to build shops. Um, but it's nearly impossible for those communities to get, to get um, permits. So what do they do? They build anyways. And then they get um, hit with Israeli demolition orders. We had just this week an Israeli, uh, Israeli authorities gave a school serving 39 children in a rural part of the southern West Bank. They gave the school a demolition order, and within the next three days, two days actually, that school could be demolished, serving 39, depriving 39 children of their right to education and their access to education. Um, we also have seen last year a tremendous influx in the amount of settler violence. So you have ideological settlers, often uh, with the protection or participation of Israeli soldiers, uh, attacking and targeting and intimidating and harassing Palestinian communities. Uh, hundreds of, of settler violence incidents have been reported since October 7th. In the first few days after October 7th, the average number of settler attacks that caused damage to, to property or, or uh, injury to people uh, was, was seven incidents per day. That, that doesn't include the number of people who are simply intimidated, harassed, um, but don't experience any type of, of physical violence or harm. What we've seen is, is um, two dozen communities that have been partially or completely erased off the map because of this settler violence, because they don't have protection, um, because they are unsafe as settlers um, take over more and more of their lands and, and threaten them. Uh, and as I said, often this is happening with the protection of, of the Israeli army, who under international law is obligated to protect the, the Palestinian population living under occupation. So, um, so we got to take another break really quickly. Um, but if you would stay on, uh, we'd like to come back. So listeners, this is Shana Lowe, who is speaking from East Jerusalem. She's a, a human rights lawyer, international lawyer uh, with the Norwegian Refugee Council. And for anybody who would like to call in to ask a question or leave a comment, 508-996-0500. And Shana will be right back. Now, the biggest stories on the South Coast from the WBSM Newsroom. This is WBSM News. Former President Trump is encouraging states to send their National Guard troops to Texas to support Republican Governor Greg Abbott in his fight against the federal government. Mark Mayfield reports. 
The conflict stems over Abbott's refusal to abide by a Supreme Court decision approving the removal of razor wire across the border with Mexico. Trump called the influx of migrants a matter of national security, public safety, and public health, and said Texas must be given what he calls full support to repel the invasion. Several GOP governors have already pledged their support for Abbott. I'm Mark Mayfield. The FAA says Boeing can once again fly its 737 MAX 9 planes. The agency just completed its safety review following the in-flight blown Alaska Airlines door plug. But the FAA accompanied the ruling with a warning, saying the incident must never happen again. It also said it wouldn't approve any expansion of 737 MAX lineup production for the time being. The state of Alabama has put an inmate to death by nitrogen hypoxia, the nation's first execution by the new method. Kenneth Eugene Smith was sentenced to death for a 1988 murder and lived through a botched 2022 execution attempt. Smith was pronounced deceased by physicians at 8.25 p.m. Central Standard Time. That's Alabama Department of Corrections Commissioner John Hamm. An attorney for Smith had asked the 11th U.S. Circuit Court of Appeals to block the execution, arguing the untested method may violate the Constitution's ban on cruel and unusual punishment. The U.S. Supreme Court rejected the final appeal Wednesday, with the execution then carried out Thursday night. WWE boss Vince McMahon is accused of sex trafficking in a new lawsuit. A former WWE employee who claims McMahon paid her to keep quiet filed a lawsuit in a Connecticut federal court Thursday. The woman alleges McMahon sexually assaulted her and trafficked her to others with in WWE. In 2022, McMahon briefly retired from WWE after the Wall Street Journal reported he'd paid off multiple women who had accused him of sexual misconduct. George Carlin's estate is suing the creators of a new AI comedy special on YouTube that replicates the late legendary comedian's voice. Kelly Carlin, who manages the estate, posted on X that there was zero permission granted for the special called I'm Glad I'm Dead. Kelly Carlin said she's used to fake memes and quotes attributed to her father, but that this is an entirely different animal. She says that those who care for the legacies of artists need to take a stand. Turning now to the South Coast, a Connecticut man has been charged with murder for the shooting death of a Fall River man in December. Fabian Robles Nicasio allegedly killed Juan Manuel Batista Castro. South Coast Rail Service out of Fall River is expected to start in May or June. And a Rhode Island lawmaker is calling on the state's transportation head to resign over the Washington Bridge closure. Peter Alvidi says he won't resign. Time now for WBSM Sports brought to you by Sparks Auto in Dartmouth. The Boston Bruins bounce back from their recent loss with a 3-2 win over the Ottawa Senators in overtime. They visit the Philadelphia Flyers tomorrow afternoon and the Boston Celtics captured their third straight win after blowing out the Heat 143-110. They host the LA Clippers tomorrow night. Now your forecast with ABC6. Get your rain gear handy because you'll need it this morning. The rain will taper off but it won't be until late today. This morning, Rainy conditions, uh, temperatures in the mid to upper 30s, well above average for the morning. Slight chance of rain as we head into the afternoon hours under cloudy skies and temperatures in the mid 40s. Overnight tonight, clouds linger as well as into tomorrow. From the ABC6 Weather Center, I'm meteorologist Ceci del Carmen on New Bedford's News Talk Station, 1420 WBSM. I'm Phil Devitt for WBSM News. Stay up to date with New Bedford's News Talk Station, WBSM. And get breaking news alerts with the WBSM app. Good morning, New Bedford. This is Sheriff Paul Hero, and I'm filling in for Tim this morning. On the line, on the call, we have Shana Lowe, who is joining us from the Norwegian Refugee Council. She's a human rights lawyer, an international lawyer, and she's calling in from East Jerusalem, Israel. And Shana, you're still with us. Yes, I'm here, Paul. Great. Thanks so much. So, Shana, um, 
you were in the middle of saying something before we broke to our uh, break. Do you want to finish up that thought, or do you want me to go into the next question about what's going on in Israel and Palestine? I think we can we can move on. Okay, great. So for the audience and listeners, if you want to call in to Shana with any questions about what she's seeing on the ground in Israel and Palestine, the number is 508-996-0500. And at the top of the hour, it's just after 7 o'clock, we're going to have Melissa Bronstein calling in with a, a different perspective. And, um, you know, she is going to be calling us from Washington, D.C. But Shana, so you keep mentioning the West Bank, West Bank. We hear about the West Bank, but it's actually an Eastern... Israel. Why is it called the West Bank if it's East Israel? What, what, what's the history with that? Yeah. Well, first of all, Paul, just it's technically the West Bank is not part of Israel. The West mm-hmm. Bank is a is a territory under occupation by Israel, but it's not part. Despite Israeli efforts to annex uh, the West Bank in in part or in total, uh, it remains. Uh, a, a distinct territory that is that is not part of Israel, but the name West Bank simply comes from the fact that the territory is on the west bank of the Jordan River, and so between 1948 and and 1967, that territory was occupied by Jordan. Jordan is obviously uh, is is on the the east side of the Jordan River, and so this territory was on the western bank of the Jordan River, and that's where, despite the fact it's on the eastern part of the map um, of of historic Palestine or Israel and occupied Palestinian territory, um, it it is uh, it's called the West. Bank due to due to the the relation to to the Jordan River. So it's it's west part of Jordan, but it's geographically located east of um, Israel. Okay, very good. So we have a caller, and let's go ahead and take the call. Okay, thank you, caller. Yes, hi, Paul. Hi. Good morning. It's Richard Drolet from New Bedford. Richard, good uh, to hear from you. Uh, hi, hi, and thank you, thank you, Sheena, for calling and informing us of us of about this. Um, I wanted to mention that I remember reading an article that uh, David Ahrens had written that uh, reported that Mark Lamont Hill from Upfront News had interviewed Israeli de- former Israeli Defense Deputy uh, Foreign Minister Danny Ayalon, where he described the Mizgav plan, which is essentially what's happening right now in uh, Gaza, where they're at, their plan is to wipe out the entire population of Gaza, Israel's plan, and to force them out through the Rafa Gate into into Egypt or anywhere else that they can go just to get them the hell out of Gaza. And as uh, Sheena has been mentioned, there's also been you know harassment and and for frankly, uh, about 435 murders in the West Bank uh, that as of mid October I think of this year that have not been adjudicated. Nobody's been arrested. Nobody's been you know sentenced for their crimes, but they're. Palestinians that are being murdered in the West Bank by the Israeli settlers. And I wondered if she would comment on that, because I, as I look at this plan and I'm reading about it, uh, it clearly says, uh, like one guy was talking to the plan, about the plan, and he said the IDF must create the right conditions for the Gaza population to immigrate to Egypt. There is no doubt that in order for this plan to come to fruition, many conditions must exist at the same time. Currently, these conditions are met, and it is unclear when such an opportunity will arise again, if ever. The okay. time to act is now. So, so uh, he was clear that this yeah. is something that was planned and, and is being carried out. Okay, so we, we're, we're supposed to take a break right now, but I'm going to give Shane about two minutes to respond to that, and then we're going to take another uh, scheduled break. And so, Shana, what are your thoughts about what Richard just had to say? Yeah. Thanks, Richard. 
two important points. One is that absolutely the, the tremendous escalation in violence that we've seen since October 7th, not of course in Gaza, but also in the West Bank is extremely disturbing. The, the impunity that settlers have, that Israeli soldiers have for, for, for unlawful killings is something that, that is absolutely concerning. In terms of the, the concerns about the this forced displacement of Palestinians outside of Gaza, that of course is something that we are increasingly concerned about and have been concerned about since October 7th. Uh, October 13th, is Israeli officials issued their first unlawful uh, so-called evacuation order, ordering Palestinians in northern Gaza to flee to the south. Uh, this didn't meet international standards for a lawful evacuation. There was no safe route, uh, no safety assurances when people reached the south. And we've been increasingly warning at the Norwegian Refugee Council of the fears that that uh, Palestinians could be pushed across the border uh, into Egypt, uh, also in violation of international humanitarian law. It's unlawful to be forcibly displacing, permanently displacing uh, an occupied population. They are meant, civilians are meant to be protected. The only time it's lawful for, for the removal of Palestinians, if it's a t a temporary, out of military necessity, and if people are given safe passage to where they're going, safety where they reach, and are they then given assurances that they'll be able to return home once hostilities have ended? That has not been the case over the last three and a half months in Gaza. Great. Thank you, Shana. And so we're going to just take a brief break. And Shana, if you can stay with us. Uh, callers, we have Shana Lowe from East Jerusalem, Israel, calling up right now. And um, the number is 508-996-0500 if you have any questions for Shana. Uh, we'll be right back. Good morning, South Coast, Massachusetts. This is Sheriff Paul Haro, and I'm filling in for Tim this morning. And on the line with us, we have Shana Lowe, who's calling from East Jerusalem, which um, is in the Palestinian territories. And she's a human rights lawyer with the Norwegian Refugee Council. And Shana, are you still with us? I am here, Paul. Great. So, Shana, we have another caller. It's Ray from Dartmouth, Mass. And Ray, can you hear us okay? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, great. Ray, if you would, um, you know, make your comment or ask your question to Shana, and then we will move on, and we're going to be taking another break shortly thereafter. Sure. So, hi, Shana. How are you doing? Good morning. Good thing. Good morning. But my, my question is in regards to Hamas and Gaza and the Palestinians that are under their control. What do you hear in in the region on how they're going to eradicate Hamas from controlling that area and, and eradicate basically the, the, the terrorist environment that they have. We see a lot of the, the atrocities being perpetrated on is Israel by this government of uh, in Gaza that, that was elected and they don't seem to be want they don't seem to want to relinquish that power. And I think the, the, the cure, one of the cures to all of this is to eradicate Hamas, the terrorist organization. And I'll, I'll take your uh, answer off of that. Thank you. Thank you, Ray. Uh, Shana, what are your thoughts about that? Well, I think that first of all, the important thing to note is that almost 50% of Gaza's population is under 18. Those children had absolutely nothing to do with Hamas being in power. I think if you were to speak to, to Palestinians on the ground in Gaza, they would express extreme frustration with Hamas in terms of uh, the situation that they've been in since October 7th. But 
the vast majority of the of the anger, frustration that that Palestinians in Gaza are feeling right now is towards uh, the Israeli military, which has been indiscriminately targeting civilian infrastructure, uh, residential buildings, uh, wantonly destroying Palestinian property, and and occupying Palestinians for for nearly sixty years. And so, I think Palestinians uh, would like to have their freedom. And that includes, uh, like, the freedom to choose who their leaders are uh, without living under occupation. Very good. Very good. Thank you. And Ray, you still with us? Or do we, no, he's not with us anymore. Okay. So, Shannon, thank you. And we actually have to take our uh, final break. And when we come back, we'll do a little bit more with Shana Lowe, who's with the Norwegian Refugee Council. And she's in East Jerusalem, Palestine. Thank you. <laughs> Good morning, New Bedford. This is Sheriff Paul Hero. I'm filling in for Tim this morning. And on the call on the line, we have uh, Shana Lowe, who's calling us from East Jerusalem. And Shana, are you still with us? I'm here, Paul. Okay, great. So we only have about another probably less than five minutes. And then we're going to be doing the news at the top of the hour. So Shana, thank you for joining us. But we have a, one more question for you. And also for anybody who's listening, if you want to ask Shana a question, the number is 508 nine nine six zero five zero zero so shana well uh, i guess in the last couple minutes last probably uh, four minutes we have uh, can you talk about the aid that is getting into gaza and what's going on with that because there's uh, you know 1.5 million people or so who are in need of food and medical supplies what's going on yeah actually the number is even larger than 1.5 million it's about 2.3 million civilians in gaza and basically everyone is in need of humanitarian assistance at this point so for the first two weeks after October 7th, Israel imposed a complete and total siege on the Gaza Strip, cutting off water, electricity, um, and, and imports of food items. Uh, since October 21st, we've seen a trickle of aid enter that is nowhere near enough to meet uh, Palestinians' needs. Uh, there's not enough food, there's not clean water, there isn't medical supplies, medicines, um, and then, of course, with, with 1.7 million people displaced, three-quarters of the population, people are also in need of shelter supplies, whether that's tents because they don't have a, an actual physical building to sleep in, or um, mattresses, blankets, uh, hygiene kits, you know, soap, uh, and, and other things. Uh, and so a trickle of that aid is getting in, but the majority of that aid is unable to leave the southernmost part of Gaza due to ongoing hostilities and restrictions and access imposed by the Israeli authorities. And so northern Gaza um, has had very few uh, aid convoys visit over the last month. Very little aid is getting up there. We hear reports uh, from our colleagues that people in northern Gaza have resorted to eating animal fodder um, because there simply is no food. We've also seen that Israel has uh, required uh, arbitrary and capricious uh, screening processes for this aid going in, which causes delays, backlogs. Certain items are, are seem to be arbitrarily rejected. Some of those items are things like water salinate desalination um, systems that would help to provide clean drinking water for people. Uh, some are, in, in our case at the Norwegian Refugee Council, we had sleeping bags that were rejected. We've heard about tent poles being rejected, uh, flashlights um, that are solar run or battery run, things that are really necessary for people to be able to live some type of life. And, and it's important to note that Israel as the occupying power of Gaza since 1967 
is obligated under international law to provide for the basic needs for survival of the protected civilian population living in Gaza. And if they are unwilling or unable to do that, they have a responsibility to, uh, to and an obligation to allow third states uh, and, and international organizations to be able to access Gaza and provide the, the necessary assistance that is so desperately needed at this time. Very good. So, well, Shana, thank you for joining us. And, um, you know, really appreciate having you call in from Jerusalem, East Jerusalem this morning. Uh, what time is it there in East Jerusalem? It's about 2 p.m. here. 2 p.m., yeah. It's about 7 a.m. here in Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, just uh, thanks for the work you do, Shana, and thank you for joining us. And, uh, you know, I'll probably send you a message later on this today. Just uh, thank you again. So, uh, Shana, thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So we're going to go ahead and take our break again. And when we come back, I'm going to have hopefully Melissa Bronstein will have called in by the point we get back. And Melissa is going to be calling in from uh, Washington, D.C., and she is going to offer a different perspective on uh, Israel-Palestine and what it is to be a Jewish-American. So we'll have you back in just a moment. Stream WBSM live, crystal clear, with one touch. The WBSM app. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.